0: LifeWay Leadership Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders.
1: And I'm Peter Blanche.
0: Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel center ministry every week. Now... Uh, Pete, you've obviously been reading the papers. Ben Stokes has retired from the one-day yep. format. Uh, we often talk about being a generalist in ministry, and you know, trying to do everything, and, and often that's hard to do as you push through growth barriers. But but what's this signalling? Ben Stokes, amazing all-rounder. He, he seemingly could do it all, but he can't captain the Test team, play one day, and do tw- T20. And, and should he have should he have privileged T20 over one, the one-day, the fifty overs?
1: Well, look, I certainly think he should have. I'm, I agree with that decision. The, uh, it's interesting isn't it he? because he's another bowler. He's a batter and a bowler. Maybe Pat Cummings is showing the way that Ben Stokes could have could have followed. But uh, I do think Stokes, he, uh, look, he is a great player and England will be sore for losing him out of their one day team which is just great for Australia. Now, so as, always, maybe, I think,
0: as always I think cricket's got something to help us as we think into, uh, into church life. Now the one thing is not brought to you with thanks to the English cricket team. It's brought to you with thanks to Reach Australia, and we want to see thousands of healthy, evangelistic, multiplying churches all across Australia. But for now, you've pressed play on another episode of the One Thing: Preaching. Now, today we're here with uh, Gary Eastman, who I'm, you know, has recently joined the team. Bit of a bit of a grumpy old man when it comes to preaching. Loves sort of, you know, when we head out to a console or, or sit sit down with the church to to really put the finger and get under the the needle of preaching. Uh, Gary has most recently been the Senior Minister up at uh, St Mark's UNE Church in Armidale, which has had a focus not only onto the campus, but also to the city of uh, of Armidale as well, which is a town, a city in, uh, in regional New South Wales. Gary, second time on the show, welcome. Uh, thank you,
2: I think, Scott. <laughs> Appreciate your... Words of welcome. Now, and not
0: only will Gary be grumpy today, but he's going to be a little bit croaky too, and that's because uh, he's got a bit of a cold. He's, he's assuring me it's not COVID, and we're in a COVID-safe. Uh, I've come out well. of
2: it, Scott, but my voice is still feeling the effects. Yeah,
0: I'll try not to sound, uh, you know, not as uh, dulcet tonesy as you in this. Right. Um, so, Gary, on the whole, the churches that we're consulting consulting with, what are you what are you seeing that we're, you know, they're doing well in terms of preaching?
2: Well, without exception, Scott, and look, this is the main thing. I'm seeing preaching that's faithful to the text. There's just solid exegesis. Um, There's usually a really helpful Christology in the sermons. We've got so much to be thankful for when it comes to our networks, our colleges, our denominations, uh, the people who've been faithful before us for generations and played a part in equipping us so well. So that's been really encouraging.
0: And, and I, mm-hmm. I just want to say, the, the just the work of regularly turning up each week Putting putting yourself out there through your preaching, it, it's hard work. You know, Pete, you've you've just sort of again come up funny yeah. recently doing that week in week out down at Wagga.
1: It is it is hard work. It takes diligence. It takes direction. Gary, have you been finding it persuasive at all? As you, it's like it's Christology is good. The theology is good.
2: Are you finding it engaging and persuasive? What, what are you seeing? Uh, there's a few things. Well, the short answer is not always. I think mm-hmm. sometimes yes, but not always. And I've got a few things that I've been seeing. That I fear are a little bit predictable, but nonetheless, they're really common. That I see as weaknesses in the sermons that I've been hearing.
1: Wow, that's well, that's insightful, Gary. What 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 are the things? Like we we all want to see preaching done as well as possible. It's 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 critical to the health of God's people and the church. What what are some of the things you're noticing? I'm going
2: to give you three. Mm-hmm. As I said, they're a little bit predictable, but go with me. The first is introductions. Uh, that fail to raise one of the questions the text is going to address Um, I'll give an example often the introduction is an anecdote that's kind of entertaining maybe a little bit humorous that has an element in it that matches an element in the passage like here's a funny story that ended with me getting wet and we're talking about John the Baptist today it's also got water involved in it It might get a little bit of attention, but it doesn't create any tension around a question that the text is going to address so that the listeners are drawn in most effectively.
1: Uh, So that's what you like to see there, Gary. You actually like to see, I want to be drawn in. I actually want to have, I want to notice something that's really quite critical that needs to be solved and answered and resolved. You're looking for something like that in an introduction.
0: 100%. Yeah. Can you give us another example of that? Let Have me give you a more well,
2: yeah. yeah. Let me give you a more positive example. Um, so, talking about Luke chapter twelve, um, fear is a very prominent theme in that passage. So, I can't remember. It was a year or two ago I spoke on that passage, and so I spent quite a bit of time as we worked our way into that passage, talking about. Well, my title was "A Fear That Creates Fearlessness." So a fear of God that helps us to face the fear of the world. Spent quite a bit of time talking about uh, the fears that we face in this world, how debilitating fear can be. Um, That's an issue that I think people resonated with. And this notion of fear that creates fearlessness, how does that work? I think that was a reasonable attempt to draw people into the passage.
0: So the first one is paying attention to your introduction and, and failing to raise that question That's the text is going to address. Hmm. What's the second thing?
2: Uh, the second thing is a lack of clarity and thoughtfulness in structure. Um, you've done the hard work of exegesis all that time at the desk, but it's not broken up into digestible points with a clear logic for the congregation to follow. I'm a pretty motivated listener, but I have found it hard to keep track of some of the sermons I've listened to. Um, being a listener more often at the moment has reminded me how hard I have to work. When I preach, to make things clear and really easy to be followed.
1: Now, Gabe, have you seen just a little pushback on that? Sometimes mm. sermons can become so formulaic that here's a three-point sermon. It's and then it's all over. and It's just the same. It, the structure is always the same each week, almost mm. regardless of what the passage is. Is there any, have you got any nuance there to think through? How do you does the structure have to precisely match the passage? H- how do you go about structuring a sermon in a way that has Yep, that is that is engaging,
2: persuasive, and not just formulaic. Listen, Peter, that's a thing, uh, isn't it? Where predictability and just being formulaic becomes the dominant thing as mm. opposed to the content of the sermon. But I don't think the answer to avoiding being formulaic and predictable is just to have a 30-minute monologue with no breaks in it whatsoever. Yep. Um, so I think the, the idea is to work at a good structure, a good structure... I think this is a rule that can be broken depending on the passage, but a rule that you would break with exception is that the structure is driven by the passage. Mm -hmm. Let the passage dictate your structure. Um, Two headings, three headings, four headings, I think if you're ending up with three screens of 15 headings all up, (laughs) I think that's too much. Three or four or even five headings that persist on the screen so that the audience is able to mm-hmm. uh, just keep interacting with that and see where they're up to and see the logic of the talk building is really, really helpful.
1: Yeah, yeah. so you're already saying there, isn't it, that structure needs to be a servant of the th- what you're trying to, what the main point of the passage is. Mm. Sometimes I'm noticing that structure is there for structure's sake. Yeah. So that's really quite helpful. So, yeah, good no, exam- that is well, helpful.
0: Good example Sunday, Sunday at church. Uh, the preacher, Al Stewart. he's a... You know, fairly okay preacher. It's all right. Uh, simple, memorable structure. Uh, it was just on Sunday. Hidden God, hidden sin, hidden salvation. Hmm. It was uh, Joe story of Joseph. Just looking at Genesis thirty-seven. Uh, straight in now. Straight away, the hidden God stuff. He was able to sort of draw me into the passage. Hmm. Where is God in this? Um, hidden sin. You know what it. What is actually going? You know, it was able to just tease out the text in the story you know the story is just a great story hmm. and then and then bring it back to salvation then take us to the Christological you know purpose as well so yeah. you know I was that structure got me got me into it um, and, and also helped me listen as we went through and and also paced me along to go okay I know it's finishing up soon my daughter who's in church because it's holidays is starting to get a bit antsy she's asking me the question. How long, we got to, how long we got to sit here, Dan? how long we got to sit here? And I was able to say, it's his last point. I reckon he's only got five minutes. We're, we're going to be good. You're going to be able to survive.
2: And days later, that's still hanging around in your head.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah.
1: excellent.
2: That's right. Yeah. yeah.
1: Now, Gary, one of the things I've also noticed is that sometimes when I've seen people to have structure for structure's sake, often there can be, there's just a jar between the first point of their talk and the second point of their talk. And it's, kind of feels like on oh no, an old illustration, we're driving a car and we're changing gears or we're putting a clutch in. With so many autos nowadays, it happens anyway. But that's there can just be a jar between point one, point two, and I'm, I get lost sometimes going, I can see you've got structure, but I've got no real idea of the connection between the two. Have you seen that? What do you do about that?
2: I have, and it's one of my lines when I'm training preachers working with MTSs, uh, one of my lines is work hard at your seams. And work hard at the seams. Work hard at the seams. Um, how do the blocks of exegesis or teaching relate to one another how do they lead to one another Um, i often find and we're going to get to preparation in a little while but i often find it's those seams which will hang me up and have Mm -hmm. me working the hardest Um, i've been blessed by great training Uh, a lot of the time exegesis flows really well it's easy to get that that down the page and convey that in a reasonably helpful way Mm -hmm. it's the seams those little moments of transition in the sermon which will be crucial for helping
0: people follow along.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. You can't really hold the whole thing together without paying really close attention to those seams.
0: And mm. and I guess that's where you see a good preacher, you know, will be aware he's just he's just delivered a heavy, long point. They will just break and pause and have a have you know have an anecdote that, that is just sort of helping the listener stop, listen, re engage. But they draw attention to that and then say, hey, now We've we've covered some heavy stuff. Let's move on to the, you yeah. know, the next one. It'll often
2: be a question, though. Yeah. It'll, it'll yeah. be a question. So here's the point we've made. Now, now why does that matter here or how does that re- to relate to what comes next? And there'll be some form of question there which will lead into that. Yeah, yeah. and sometimes yeah.
1: it's logical like that. How does this relate? Sometimes it's the emotional connection, isn't it? Going, mm. This is having a profound impact and that's gonna connect with what comes next in the text. So mm. you talk about
0: the intro, the structure, what's the third obvious thing that everyone should be paying attention to?
2: Yeah, and it is a bit predictable, but it is conclusions. Um, I've heard some wonderful application in sermons and application can be all the way through. It doesn't need to be constrained just to the end of the sermon, Uh, but I am hearing thin, predictable application. Sometimes it's that the conclusion of the talk, there's application in there but it bears no relation to what was talked about at the start, the questions that were raised, if there was a question. So I'm just hearing uh, and Peter Jensen often talked about this, it sounds like a first draft. There's solid exegesis. Uh, but the whole thing was rushed to get into the pulpit and so that application at the end hasn't been well thought through.
1: Yeah, I can add to that too Gary, I, just, I feel the same in many ways that uh, a, often good preaching is very clear on what you're trying to persuade someone of. It, not in a, you can persuade in a manipulative sense but not, not in that sense going, no God speaks to us because he wants us to repent, he wants us to change, he wants us to live being clear on what you're trying to persuade people of will help your conclusions, help your introductions,
0: yeah. So Gary, this is only a short podcast. Can you can you give some sort of quick suggestions? How can we address some of these uh, issues that you've raised?
2: Yeah, really briefly. Um, here's the first one. Just recognise no one else is going to defend your prep time. Mm-hmm. Um, but no one's going to rush up to you after service on Sunday and say, Uh, hey, can I help you block out Tuesday afternoon so you can prepare your sermon really well? Um, No, they're going to come and want to take time for a good thing. You know, it's good ministry. And the temptation is it's ministry often when people try and take time, they appreciate you, you feel good about doing it. Um, But unless you block out and defend that preparation time throughout your week, as far as it's necessary, um, No-one else is going to defend it for you. You said
0: said Tuesday after after, Arvo, not Thursday, not Saturday morning, not Sunday (laughs) Well, this is my...
2: Yeah, Saturday (laughs) night, 11 o'clock. This is my second point. Spread it out over the week, Um, preferably even longer. Hopefully, you've prepared your series. You've got some idea of where each talk is going from months back, even when you've blocked out the series and laid it down. Um, 12 hours, I think, is a reasonable preparation time, 10 to 12 hours. But 12 hours on a sermon is much better spread out over a week or two rather than 12 hours over Friday and Saturday or even you know Saturday from 10 o'clock through to 10 o'clock at night.
0: Now the young preacher listening in is I just want to say you're hearing 12 hours there I'd encourage you to be sort of more pushing towards 20 in those in those early years and, and be working towards the the 10 to 12 hours as you get more experience.
2: Yeah there's a skill and a craft in preaching and in preparation and you've got to learn that over time so yeah a young preacher should should be spending more time. What's the third tip? Uh, The third tip, build speed on the runway. A long time ago, I was involved in air traffic control. That's a long time ago. I don't remember anything much about it, but planes need speed on the runway before they can safely take off. When you're under pressure as a preacher, you feel that temptation. What do you want? You want to see words on a page. You just want to see that word count going up. And you try and take off too quickly... Tries to take off too quickly, it's wobbly, it doesn't fly well, it might have been crash and burn, which is the worst result. What you need to do is work hard at your structure. You get your exegesis done, and often it's that point you go, Oh, I've got exegesis, I've got lots of good things to say about the text. You suck getting them down the page. Yeah, I think I know where it's going, but actually, what you need to do now hold it on the runway, work really hard at a detailed structure, introduction, applications whether that's through the structure or constrained at the end, whatever it is, get all that really nailed down before you're getting words down on the page. That's the takeoff moment when you're actually writing the
0: sermon. So you've got three. Defend your prep time, spread it out over the week, keep it on the runway. Now, you know, the, the great sort of illustration is that'll, that'll make sense until you jump in the ring and then get hit with the first punch and then everything gets thrown out. This sounds like it's something that you've got to constantly keep fighting for and working on. Uh, and you know, but but did you get to a, a period in your ministry where you went, oh no, yep, yeah, that's just how it is. People know that on Tuesday afternoon I'm working on my sermon, on Thursday morning I'm doing this aspect, and Friday I'm tidying it up. Like, did you get into that sort of regular rhythm that just worked, or are you still having to fight and defend and push back, you know, all all the way through?
2: There's always weeks that just go south, and part of the skill of the preacher is to be able to stand up with, with much thinner preparation and still be faithful to your people. But uh, yeah, look, I, I was in a place uh, every yes is a no, right? Yeah. Every yes is a no. So uh, I was much clearer with people to say, no, I can't meet Tuesday morning. It was in my diary. Yeah. yeah. So I, I did have, we don't have time now to go through the way I typically tried to work at sermon preparation. It started Monday morning. Yeah. Now Gary, look, another
1: item that's worth touching on I think this is critically important at Reach Australia when we do a consultation we often discuss the need to be preaching to two audiences
2: yeah. Now now, what, what do we mean by that? Just as in the early church, Peter, we should have the expectation there will be a mix of Christians and non-Christians in the audience uh, The phrase suggests that it's helpful to just be explicit about that So if you're not explicit about it The word of God is powerful. It can still impact Christians and non-Christians in the audience. But if you're explicit about it, um, it helps the non-believer to feel addressed and that they are expected to be there, whether that's a question or a challenge or an invitation to them. It's also an important element of building mission heat in your congregation. It's a reminder that they should be thinking and praying about who to invite to church.
1: Yeah, so critical, Gary, isn't it? To to be aware of, we can so easily forget just what it's like to be new to Jesus, unaware of what's going on, but to be specifically addressed really really matters, and churches that overlook that. Do you see that? Have you seen that often in the, in the consults you've done?
2: I've been a little disappointed by the lack of outsiders being addressed. So there's been a lot of preaching to Christians in front of them without the expectation explicitly that there'll be non-Christians there. Yeah,
1: yeah. Gary, another phrase that comes up a lot around Reach Australia is worldview preaching. Can you tell us a bit more about that?
2: Yeah, thanks, Peter. Uh, Worldview preaching, uh, look, it's just trying to get at the idea that culture's so rapidly changing. Um, As opposed to decades ago, we've got really a sharp challenge from our culture. It's really clashing with the biblical worldview Uh, very sharply. We need to help our people to critique culture to see where that clash is, to see when culture says X, Y, Z that's a poor answer, when the Bible says A, B, C, that's a much better answer. Mm. And so we need to draw that out for people understanding that our audiences very often are starting a lot further back. They're not as biblically literate. They're much more informed and influenced by culture than perhaps they were decades ago. Yeah,
1: And you see it regularly in the scriptures, don't you Gary, where Jesus or or Paul are are saying culture says X, Y, Z, but God is saying ABC. Yeah, that's right. It's there in the
2: scriptures regularly. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And this is helpful not just for the believer, but also for the unbeliever, Gary? Look, I couldn't agree more. Um, the unbeliever, steeped in their culture, soaked in their culture, often without hope, without joy, struggling with these questions, need to be shown how their culture is failing them and how the Bible and the hope in Jesus will absolutely satisfy. And
0: So, Gary... What's the one thing you want to say about preaching?
2: If I had to pick one, Scott, it's to treat it as a core of your ministry because it is, and so give it the time it needs.
0: Great, excellent, Gary. Been really helpful for you to get us to again keep thinking about the importance of preaching uh, and and sharpening a few things just in our, in our practice. I uh, just want to draw your attention to a couple of things in the toolbox today. Uh, so Al Stewart has uh, done a ministry grid course for us on preaching. Uh, it's really, really useful, pushes into a number of these different areas, uh, eight episodes to, uh, to think about your preaching. You can get a three-month trial of ministry grid for your church by hitting the link in the show notes. Also, um, there's a number of things uh, that Al's done also in the resource library, the online resource library. I'll put a link to a seminar that Al did for us, Preaching That Grows Your Church from the 2019 Reach Australian National Conference. There's others on that as well. Uh, and then Gary's mentioned just a, a, a couple of books uh, on preaching as well. So uh, again, jump online, go to Wandering Booksellers. Uh, I reckon one of the things, you know, what you want to do regularly as a preacher is you want to be pulling out, a, you know, something that's going to push you and drive you in thinking about how you can better uh, be a preacher. And that might be a devotional book. It also might be a book that actually helps you think about being a better communicator or, or being a better preacher as well. As we finish, I just want to draw your attention to our Building Leaders uh, Day. These have been really effective at helping your church and some of your key team leaders and leaders in church think about how to build a leadership pipeline. We've got a few uh, training days coming up in Narrabeen in the Northern Beaches in Sydney and also in Geelong down in Victoria. If you want to find more about those uh, dates and what's involved, head to reachaustralia.com.au forward slash building leaders. reachaustralia.com.au forward slash building leaders. I'm Scott Sanders.
1: I'm Peter Blanche.
0: Chat soon.